Please be seated. Judy's grandchildren are going to share scripture passages with us now, so we look forward to that. hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may also be and you know the way to where I'm going Thomas said to him Lord we do not know where you are going how can we know the way Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The word that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to, be put, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For a while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with, them, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, 
that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of the Lord. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. And then from John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Thank you all so much. That's, that's not easy to do. I can tell you from experience being up here. I believe we're also going to have some remarks from some other family this time. First off, I want to thank everybody for coming. This means a lot to our family for y'all to be here. So on behalf of my dad and um, Robbie and, and my family, thank y'all so much for being here. I'm Michelle. I'm Judy's daughter. Um, I may ramble, and I've got a lot of notes, but whatever I may say, here's what I want to come through. My mom loved Jesus, and my mom loved her family. So I'm going to, I'm, I may get off track, I'm going to try to stay on track, and I may, I don't know what I may do, but I just want you to know my mom loved Jesus, and my mom loved her family. Um, my mom was born on June 17th in 1934, um, as, as Pastor Sam said, to Gladstone S. Lewis and Judith Teresa Lewis. She was born in Washington, D.C., she adored her two brothers, her oldest brother, Gladstone S. Lewis, Jr., and younger brother, John B. Lewis. The reason why I said their names in full is because you'll see that my, her parents were not creative. Her older brother was a junior, and lo and behold, she was a junior. So I, I don't know too many women who were a junior, but my mom was a junior. Um, my mom... Just she felt like she got left behind in the in the in the gene pool. She felt like her brother, older brother, was the smartest guy on earth, and he was. He he graduated from high school at age 16. He got degrees from Maryland, MIT, University of Michigan, and then he went on to be in the Air Force, which ended up being NASA. He's got something in the Smithsonian, so. She knew for sure he got the brains. Her brother was the athlete. He played uh, college baseball at University of Maryland. So she just said, I got back passed over. We're like, oh, whoa, no. I mean, my mom, if you knew her, she was sharp as a tack. She, she was probably the best athlete of our family. Um, and not to mention how competitive she was, but she did not get, she, she had enough, she had a lot of great uh, talents. 
She grew up in her beloved Greenbelt, Maryland. It was a planned community born out of the Depression right outside Washington, D.C. She would tell us such great stories about it, and my brother and I, just such great kids, we never listened. And so, so it took me to, there's a book, it's a, Greenbelt is, is on the National Historic Landmark Society. It was, um, it was an idealistic town where you walked to everything. She walked to the bowling alley, to the theaters, to the swimming pool, to the lake. She had, she had more in that community than most people had, and they were pretty low income, and so it was, it was a place just to give them such a great sense of community, and she loved it. She was lifeguard there, but here's the best thing. Not only did she play softball, basketball, she was Miss Greenbelt. So if, ever, if you saw the slide up here, we, we had the, the trophy cup in our basement stuffed with some flowers. We're like, yeah, right, Miss Greenbelt. Well, she really was Miss Greenbelt, and she, 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 she was proud of that. We didn't, again, we were so great, such great kids, we didn't want to hear about that either. Um, Near, right near Greenbelt was the University of Maryland, and so that's where she ended up going to college. It was just five miles down the road, so her, her parents would not let her live on campus, and so her outlet was being a majorette. So she had, she had so many great experiences, not only in high school being a majorette, there were two open spots when she was trying out for the University of Maryland, and those two, two open spots were filled by two girls from Greenbelt, and so being a majorette just gave her so many great avenues. She, as, as Pastor Sam said, she was able to march in, in an inauguration parade, several Orange Bowl parades. Apparently Maryland's football team was great then, and that's when you know, she got a chance to march and just some, some fun things. Somehow, and there's a gentleman here, Mr. Tace, he grew up with my dad, and his brother introduced my parents on a blind date. I think there was even some rumor that my mom might have been engaged to someone else, but she really didn't want to be engaged. She didn't want to hurt his feelings, so she didn't wear the ring. Anyway, so they, they are fixed up on a blind date. Um, my dad, who's not musically inclined and can't keep any rhythm, somehow they smuggled him on with a, a band uniform and a bass drum, and he went on some of these band trips, and they, people were like, wait, you played the drum? No one, I, I couldn't keep up with that, that rhythm. So, um, but that, that was her outlet, being a majorette, and she loved it. Um, again, they, my parents met on a blind date. Um, maybe, my dad had served in the Marines, so he was behind her in school, and my mom didn't have a car, so he was, he was leaving to go on a Marine two weeks something or other. He said, when I come back, I want you to meet me here with my car at a certain time. Well, he waited over an hour and a half for my mom, and he said, there's no way I can date someone that's late. And so, as we all know, they married, they just celebrated their 63, 63 years of, of marriage. My, my dad is the king of patience, because as we all know, my mom was never early or on time for anything. So, so dad? <laughs> Thank you for your patience with mom. <laughs> um, in college, my mom wanted to, to major in physical education. Her dad said, absolutely not. So she majored. She said, well, I'll show him. She majored in home ec. What do you do in home ec? Well, I guess you learn how to cook, iron, and, and sew. So that's what my mom did. She, when, well, back, all right, so she majored in home ec. They, my parents got married, and soon after that, they moved 
from Maryland to Ohio, lived a few, few years there as my dad worked uh, in the steel industry. Uh, Robbie was born in Ohio, but in 1966, their world changed. They moved from Maryland to, I'm sorry, thank you, Ohio to Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Well, okay, so they thought they'd stay here for a few years, Alabama. All their family is still in Maryland. All right, so what is it, 50-some, six, seven years, they're still in Alabama. So um, my mom was a professional stay-at-home mom, homemaker, housewife. Everything she did, she did well. Our house, if you ever, well, you might have visited. It depends on if she let you in or not, because if you didn't have your clean shoes or whatever, but she had... The house was spotless. We didn't know what dust, what is dust? My kids are like, dust bunnies, those are our pets. Well, I mean, we didn't, I didn't know what the term dust bunny meant. Uh, she ironed everything. I think she ironed our underwear. She was able to fold a fitted sheet and it'd be the same size as a flat sheet. I won't say what my, 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 my sheets look like, but she, Whatever she did, she was going to do it well. Um, seamstress, she made all of her clothes growing up, and then we got the fortune of her making our clothes, so we got to match. We got to match my mom. Um, when I decided I wanted to swim on the swim team, she was not convinced that I would stick with it. So instead of buying me the swim team, the red, white, and blue swim team suit, she said, I can make you one. So she found some material close to the swim team uniform, uh, bathing suit. And when I kept complaining that it would rub me under my arms and really hurt me around the neck, and she saw that I was gonna stick with swimming, then she allowed me to buy the, the, the swim team suit. Not only did she make my swimsuits, but she made my prom dresses. I can do a better job, I'm not paying that much money, I can make your prom dress. So not many people can say that their mom made not only their swim team suit, but their prom dress. Um, and if she, she loved to shop. She loved to shop. If you knew my mom, she loved to shop. But she would not pay for something if the, if, if the plaids didn't match or if, if the quality, she's like, look, I can make that. I can make it a lot cheaper and I can make it a lot better. So she also kept the tags on everything. So just in case she would bring it back. So we just had this state sale and the sweet lady said, your mom had tags on so much stuff. Well, we actually got their couch, too. When they, the movers delivered their couch to our house, they just started laughing. They said, did you know the tags are still on this? It might have been 20 years old, but we still had the tags on. Uh, my mom, and she loved to dress up. If there was any, a lot of these pictures down here on the slideshow, if there was a dance or a ball or something, oh, she loved it. She, my dad was not a huge dancer, but she loved to dress up and to dance. Um, and if there was an occasion, may, maybe a golf scramble or something where they had a costume, she was making her costume. She probably made one for y'all too, so y'all would match. But, um, so not only that, she cooked every night. We didn't know what eating out was. So, and you know, maybe there weren't a ton of restaurants around, but she made it a point to cook dinner. We would have dinner together every night. The only problem was, was once the microwave was invented. My dad brought home one of the first microwaves and Frozen vegetables, mixed vegetables in a microwave, they just don't turn out well. And so we do wish that she didn't get the microwave. Um, as you all know, she had the gift of gab. She could talk, she could talk, and she could talk. 
She would be on the phone so long, I would hear the term, I can't talk right now, but I'll give you a ring later on. I was like, ring? I would run and look in her jewelry box. Which rings is she giving out this time? But uh, she, and she could tell a great story. When you would talk to her, you had to be around for a while because she, she could tell a story. Um, for some reason, and maybe it's because she was at home all day, my mom was the main disciplinarian. Um, we didn't know that a wooden spoon was a utensil that you, cook, you cooked with. We just knew it as the spank stick. And so Robbie has a little bit different stories than me. I do remember getting spanked a lot. He says he took them all, but we'll see. Uh, we, uh, whenever I'd hear the drawer open, I took off running. Um, when, when we talk about how competitive she was, and again, I'm, I'll throw in here again, my mom loved Jesus, my mom loved her family, but when we were growing up, just because we were younger or smaller or whatever, she was not gonna let us win at anything. I mean, she had, if, if we were gonna play a card game, a card laid is a card played. She would not let us pull a card back out. Um, we played a game called Pinochle. We would drink little nada coladas to play a game Pinochle. And again, she would take an hour to play a card because she had thought the whole thing through. But if we sloppily put down a card and try to take it back, she'd go, oh, I'm so sorry. Card laid, it's card played. You didn't want to play her in ping pong because she was out, she would, my dad was kind, made us a ping pong table, but um, anytime we play family ping pong games, again, she always wanted to win. Um, I guess it was probably about when I was about four or five when she started to play tennis, and whoo, she fell in love with the game of tennis. Um, there was a great group of ladies that would take lessons together, she would be on leagues, all she wanted to do was get better and better at tennis, and so... Um, again, like a great kid, um, when I started playing tennis, she knew what I was doing wrong, and she could tell me what I was doing wrong. Why would my mom tell me what I was doing wrong? So we would pay the pro to tell me the same thing that my mom had told me. We could have saved money, but she, she was not only a, a competitor of the game, but she loved the game and always wanted to improve. Um, she then got uh, an equilibrium problem, couldn't play tennis anymore. So she's like, well, we'll take up golf. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We just, when we play tennis, we'd watch those golfers go around. There's no way you're going to waste your time playing golf. Well, she wanted to be the best golfer she could be. So thank you all for your patience with her for playing golf. Everybody says she talked as much as anything. She would want to walk. Everybody wanted to ride in the cart. But she's like, I'm out here getting exercise. We're not going to ride in a golf cart. But she, again, she, she took her golf game as serious as she did her, t her tennis game. Um, when, when my parents moved here uh, in the 60s, at some point she did start coming to this church. Um, again, may I say, my mom loved Jesus and my mom loved her family. She, we were in church every single Sunday. She established that pattern for me and for my family that on Sunday is the Lord's Day. It is set apart. We will be in church. Now, Robbie and I got our perfect attendance pins for always being in Sunday school every Sunday. If we went out of town, we would go to church there. The perfect attendance is not what, uh, what made us Christians. It was, and I'm not, I'm not saying it was because we were here every Sunday, but I thank her for the model she, she gave us and to knowing that Sunday is set apart and Sunday is the day for worship. Um, what I do think um, 
her for is also my parents serving on the Young Life uh, Committee. Young Life came in the, in the 1980s here, and that was a huge ministry for both my brother and I, growing spiritually uh, in, our, in just our, our personal walk with the Lord. Um, I'll never forget, we had a, I don't know if you remember this, there was a guy that lived down the street from us. He was a pastor at maybe a, a small Bible church. He came to visit us one day, and I call what I, what I would say, he was just my mom and I sitting in the den, and I'd say he asked me the two diagnostic questions. He said, Michelle, if you died tonight, where would you go? Oh, and I got real nervous, and I was looking at my mom, and I said, I, I, I hope heaven. And he says, okay. He says, and if you do go to heaven, what would you say? Why would I let you into my heaven? And I said, um, oh, I think I've been good enough. I, well, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be good enough. And I see my mom just shaking her head. And I was like, oh, my word. She thinks I'm absolutely horrible. There's no way I can make it to heaven. So when he leaves, she thanks him for coming. He leaves. And I just storm off to my room. Again, like a good kid. I run back to my room. And I slam the door. And she came back. And she said, well, I'm very surprised at your answers on those questions. I said, I know, Mom. I know. I'm, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And um, she said, no, it just hurt my heart that you don't have the, I thought you had the assurance of salvation. She said, we need, what do we need? We need to pray. She said, I want you to know that, you know, when, the, when we know that Jesus died for our sins, we have that assurance of salvation. It's a, it's a hope, not a wishy hope, but it's a hope, it's assurance knowing that that's where you will go. And that, that stuck with me. That was one of those major um, milestones in my walk with the Lord. And so, my mama loved me, and my mama loved Jesus. Um, one of her greatest sweetness, if you knew my mom, she was never on time for anything. Never on time for anything. That was one of the first things you said. She was always, she always come to my Bible study. She'd come in late, and uh, we sat, always sat on the second pew right here, and you would think, well, why would you sit in the front? Well, we'd come in this door, and it was the last place taken, so we, that's, that was our pew every Sunday. I, I ran into a neighbor here. I said, I remember your sister hated when my mom would pick up for carpool because we were the last one sitting on the curb. She never picked us up on time. Um, and it wasn't that she took long getting ready. She just was busy doing other stuff. My mom was always doing stuff. And so I, I was actually looking in her, her high school yearbook, and her best friend wrote a note, and it said, Judy, can't wait till we go to Atlantic City. That's if you don't miss the bus and you're not late. It, I don't know why she was always late, but here's the thing. My mom was right on time. The Lord knew when it was time for her to go home. She was with, she struggled with several things, one being dementia, and I will say she was so, so sweet in her dementia. She, if I was taking her to doctor's appointments all the time, and she would just, she could put on a show. I mean, you know, Margie, you came and sat with her a few times. She would just, she'd stand up, and then she would just start dancing. And, but before, she's like, I can't get up, I can't get up. But she could perform. And we need a way, Miss Dressman. Okay. And she would kind of do a little jig up to the, to the scale. And drawing blood was bad. And so she's like, honey, we know we don't have to do that today, right? Oh, I love your nails. I love your rings. And I... 
thank you for doing this. I know it's so hard. Thank you for doing this. She, she would thank us for everything we did. I, I don't want to do this, and I'm not. But thank you for trying. And it was just a sweet, sweet um, way to see my mom, her last, her really last year, just how grateful she was to everybody that, that tried and, and did help her. Um, one thing that I would do with, I was with her every day. By God's grace, I was able, as painful as it was, I was able to move my parents to Birmingham and I could be with them. Um, every day I would try to jog her memory. Long term was great, short term not so much. She never forgot who we were, which was a blessing. But just, it was just last week, um, I just said, I would just shoot out questions. i say, hey mom, what's your favorite color? Red. I was like, really? Is that not right? And I said, I have no idea, only you know. So in honor of my mom, I'm wearing red. Red's not my favorite color, but it was hers. So my mom loved Jesus and my mom loved her family. And I'm so grateful and thankful for the Lord calling her home. My mom is whole and my mom is healed. Uh, my mom did not stay here too long. My mom didn't leave here too late. God's timing is perfect. My mom is home, and so thank y'all so much for the, what y'all have meant to our family, and thank y'all for just loving on her. Um, so my mom loved Jesus, and she's with him now. Good job. You okay? Yeah. Well, I get a chance to go after that. But it is important that I get a chance to go because I, I knew how this thing was going to line up. Look, my sister was not her favorite, okay? <laughs> I know she just read 12 pages and it looks like, holy cow, that was such a great daughter. And I'm just here to tell you, I mean, that behind the scenes, that's really not how the whole thing played out. And so I thought it was really important to set the, uh, as my hand's touching a Bible. <laughs> I, really, I really thought it was important to set the record straight on that. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share a couple of lighter stories about my mom, but I do wanna make a comment, um, you know, about my sister. You know, he really did a great job. And, um, and we're very fortunate. My mom is very fortunate to have had you around for the last year, year and a half, two years. And uh, I know on behalf of Dad and I, you know, we really appreciate, you know, what you did. It wasn't easy, and I know it was a labor of love, but it was still a labor, and uh, we appreciate that a lot. I didn't realize, Michelle and I didn't rehearse these on purpose, so I didn't realize Michelle was going to tell the entire story of Mom, so, um, so bear <laughs> with me. The, um, so there's a, there's a couple of things that, that are notorious for her that are... Um, that, um, that a lot of folks know. And, and uh, as Michelle said, um, there's two things my mom could never be accused of. And that would be being early, and that would be being on time. And so uh, this is almost a uh, public service announcement, and I get a chance to use probably one of the oldest jokes around, and that is if you hear something wrestling in the back of this sanctuary, don't be alarmed, it will be my mom late for her own funeral. One other thing my sister uh, touched on was, um, was her love for shopping. And, and it really goes just slightly deeper than just shopping. It was my mom's love for a good deal. 
And if there, was a, uh, if there was an Achilles heel to my mom, she could not pass up a good deal. And it really became uh, to a point where it was impossible to say no if it was exceeding 50% off. But here's the important thing to remember in this. People like to shop. They like to look for things that, for themselves or like to look for something to improve something about themselves or about the family. That did not come into play with my mom. If it went past the 50% off mark, it was a must buy. And, there, and it may not have anything to do with something that she needed, that my sister and I needed, the family needed, or that the house needed, but it was over 50% off and therefore it was a must buy. And the way it would work is she would collect these during the day and my sister and I would be at school and they would be sitting on the kitchen table waiting for my dad to show up. And to Michelle's point, she never took a tag off. In her mind, the tag meant it really, the transaction had not been made complete. So she could always bring it back. And, and you know, Michelle hinted about it and, uh, or mentioned it, and it was really quite funny. When we had the estate sale, she and I both said, there's gonna be no telling how many blouses, skirts, shoes, anything that still got the tag on it that in her mind was still eligible to be returned and credited to the credit card. So dad would come home from work and there would be a collection of bags and a collection of things. And, um, and she always, Michelle mentioned her sharp wit. She was very, uh, very strategic at how she would present what was on the table. And the language is never how much money she spent. It would start with Frank, you wouldn't believe how much money I saved today. And she'd go through bag after bag after bag. And, and, and um, you know, mom wasn't the only one with a quick whip. My dad had one too, and, and, um, and usually was very good with me about it. And uh, he looked at me one day and he said, Robbie, let me tell you something. This is after mom had gone through the parade of the bags and the tags and everything else. He said, Robbie, let me tell you something. We're gonna be the first family in history that's gonna go broke saving money. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> the, um, you know, I thought my mom made a really wise decision um, early on. You know, she, she, like Michelle said, she graduated from college, started in the banking industry, and she made a decision early on to dedicate really her time and her life to the family. And that really made a big difference, um, you know, to Michelle and I. So she really dedicated really almost all of her time to busting us around to practices, games, church events, um, um, civic events, just whatever we were involved in. She was highly, highly participative in all those and, and made a, you know, really made a big difference. And, uh, and I think in our upbringing, it was really neat. You know, it's been a long time since I've, I, I think Michelle, the last time I was in this church was during your wedding back in the 50s. Oh, and um, <laughs> I think I was 12. And the, um, but you know, we met, I, I had a chance to reacquaint with several people from Gadsden, you know, from when I grew up here, and and uh, you know, it was it was nice to be able to say, you know, we really had a great childhood here. It's a small town, as Michelle mentioned, we moved in, uh, or my parents moved in from out of town, but really had a really had a great childhood in Gadsden, and was, and uh, a large part of that was due to the fact that my mom really dedicated all her time to us. And, uh, and I thought that really made a, uh, a, a big difference and probably the, the, one of the things that I'm, I'm probably most thankful for and, um, and the time that she spent in developing us. And, and um, it just, 
made for a very, very good experience or childhood here and something that we've been able to carry on um, with fond memories since. Like my sister said, very, very appreciative of all of you, whether you came here from Gadsden or whether you came from Birmingham, Montgomery, or other places, very appreciative of the time that y'all came by to spend with our family today, and uh, we really appreciate that. You want to take this? Thank you so much for, uh, for saying the things that only you could say. So I want to ask you to, to um, stand as you're able and sing with me that great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 140 in the hymnal.
I want to share with you um, from one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 139. If you want to turn over there, there are Bibles in the back of the pew. Um, while I'm turning over there, I want to share you, with you one of my favorite uh, Judy stories. Um, if you, and, and by the way, this is just kind of a plug for my Wednesday morning 11 o'clock Bible study. It is uh, so much fun, and we, we study, we're studying the book of Acts right now, but we study together, and it is the most fun, entertaining Bible study you will ever come to, and that's the one where Judy always came. And we met at that time in the, what's now the children's worship room at that end of the portico down there. And some of y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. We, we met, and we started at 11 o'clock, about 10 after or so, uh, <laughs> Judy would come in, and everybody would save a seat closest to my, uh, my lectern for, for Judy so that she could be right up front to, to hear. And uh, so w one day she came, she always had the bright red lipstick, and she'd come in just uh, grinning, and, um, and everybody would greet her, and, and so we would let her get settled in, and then I would continue on the Bible study. And so this one day, um, she, she came in as usual, we, I, I, and when I finished the Bible study, she, she came up, and uh, she gave me a hug, and she said, Pastor Sam, that was just the best Bible study but I didn't hear a word you said because I couldn't find my hearing aids <laughs> before I came. So uh, that was just, uh, but she had such a good time being with everybody. It didn't matter that she, she couldn't hear. And that's, and that's good. Um, but Psalm 139, I want to um, share, let me read verses 1 through 6. And then I want to stop and tell you some reasons why I love this psalm so much. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's so high, I cannot attain it. Well, I love this psalm because it reminds me and it reminds all of us um, that we may think that we knew Judy and I wish that I could have known her longer. Many of you know her so much better and of course her children, have, grandchildren now know her Frank was married to her for 63 years, but as much as we might think we know her, it's comforting for me to know that God knows her even better uh, from the inside out. And we look, at, we look at Judy and we say, oh, this is someone with just movie star looks and uh, the the competitive drive of a professional athlete and, uh, and all of these qualities, but God looks at the heart and knows us and he knew Judy and he knew, 
He knew when she sat down, when she got up. He knew her thoughts before she had them. He was aware of her comings and going. He knew her voice. And by the way, she had the most marvelous, deep, uh, just a little touch of a Yankee accent voice. Um, I just love to hear her talk and laugh. God surrounded Judy in front and in back, and God's hand was upon her. There was nothing about Judy Dressman that God didn't know. So having somebody know you that well is almost hard to comprehend. Uh, the psalmist David said, such knowledge is too wonderful me, for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. Um, and, and it could be a little bit scary to have somebody to know you that well, couldn't it? The author of Hebrews in the New Testament puts it this way in Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing is hidden. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eye of him to whom we must give account. So God knew Judy's everything about her. And God knows everything about me and everything about you. And you know what makes that good news instead of bad news? is that God loves us so much even though he knows us so well in verses 14 through 16 Hebrews 4 um, therefore we have a high priest who has gone through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin let us then approach the throne of faith, grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Knowing that God uh, knew all about Judy and knows all about us um, is not fearful, it's not bad news, it's good news because God loves us so much and proves so through Jesus, our high priest. So you know why why Judy could come into Bible study on Wednesday morning uh, 10 minutes late and, and not think a thing about it is because everybody there loved her so much. They were just glad to see her. And so if, if she was uh, a little bit late coming in, it, it's, it's okay because she was so loved. And so God knows all about us. He knows what we feel. He knows what uh, hurts. He knows our weaknesses. He intercedes for us. The great high priest Jesus intercedes for us. That's why we approach the throne with confidence. And that's why we don't have to fear death if we know Jesus. Judy didn't have to be afraid when she walked through the valley of the shadow of death. You know Psalm 23 and you say, well, that's scary though. It's scary because it's unknown. I don't know what it's going to be like to do that. I don't know what it's going to be like to stand before God. Isn't that frightening? I heard a, a story told one time about a man who was dying uh, of a disease and he went to see his doctor. His doctor was one of those old timey doctors that operated out of his house and I went to see his doctor and the doctor was trying to talk with him about what it would be like at the end and he said doctor I'm scared I, I and the doctor said why why are you scared he said because I don't know what it's going to be like I I just it's the great unknown and while they were having this conversation the doctor's little dog was scratching at the door trying to get in 
And the doctor thought for a moment and very wisely said, you know, my little dog is not in this room, but he's scratching in the door trying to get in. And the reason that he knows it's okay to come in this room is because he hears his master's voice. He knows his master is in here. So anything that awaits him in here is going to be okay. And, and Judy, uh, maybe toward the end of her life, didn't, didn't recognize every, every voice or remember everything. But I want to tell you, when she closed her eyes on September 28th, not knowing what would await her in heaven, but knowing her master's voice and knowing that everything was going to be okay, and she didn't have to be afraid because she loved Jesus, as Michelle said. She loved Jesus. And we don't have to fear either. We don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like. It, it's going to be greater than anything our human minds can ever imagine. But our master will be there. And that's why we can say like the psalm, psalmist said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because, why? Because thou art with me. And so, then one more thing that I love about this psalm. Um, verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? He writes. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me be, become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. I love this psalm because it reminds me that God's presence is with us always, always. And Judy knew that there was nowhere that she could go that God wasn't going to be there too. If she felt God's presence in Green Belt, she would feel it in Ohio and then in Gadsden and every step of the way through every season of life and you know, we need to know that today too. There's nowhere, even if we feel God forsaken, there's nowhere that God's presence is not. And we can't hide from God either. Wherever we are today, wherever we go when we leave this place, God's already there. And you know what? I, I think it's because God loves us too much to let us hide from him. So let's take advantage of that and just draw near to him. I want to just say a word to the family in closing. Y'all have been um, on our hearts and in our prayers and you've seen all of the people that have come through. Every one of them loves you and love Judy. So know that, know that you have that support and also lean on one another, lean on your friends and Lean on God, who is the God of all comfort. One of, one of the grandchildren read from um, 2 Corinthians 5. I, don't, I can't remember which one it was. Who read 2 Corinthians 5? Okay. Um, but I, I want you to remember this, what, 
was read earlier, the Apostle Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So even though there's a part of us that, um, that feels like something's missing, that we've lost something, we can't really say that we've lost Judy Dressman because we know where she is. We know where she is. Let us pray. How thankful we are, O oh God, for the blessing that was Judy, for the influence that she had on others, for the great heritage and nurture that she gave to her children, grandchildren, for the, for the love and for the strength that she shared with her husband of 63 years, for all of the laughter, all of the fun, all of the joyful, wonderful times that she provided to those who knew her best and loved her most. We thank you, especially today, Lord, that because of what you have done for us, because you have opened the way that when she closed her eyes on this earth, and breathed her last, that the next breath she took was celestial. And the faces she saw were those who loved her and welcomed her. And so I ask, Lord, that we would dedicate ourselves today to living our lives in such a way on this earth that in the life to come, we will see her smiling face again, too. Thank you for your promises, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing Grace is going to be our closing hymn. Number 378 in the hymnal, if you want to turn there. We'll sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 6. Number 378. Stand as you're able.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen. Thank you.